All right. Now, one other thing, and this, I've, I've meant to mention this before, is the other night when I asked you, I said, what do you think we're uh, about done with this? And you go, yeah, I think we've all got it out. And then Patterson starts talking. 30 minutes later, <laughs> and there was some valid stuff in there. And so that... That extra, it boiled down to about 15 minutes, but it probably took me an hour to cut and paste edit and get that. So when we say we're done, any thoughts that haven't been expressed are just going to have to wait for the next moment of greatness. Right. So you do edit them, though. Huh? Oh, good heavens, yes. Since 2010 and all the ones we've done, there's probably been one that I didn't have to edit. And Chris, that was Craig Biskeyer. All right, let me add Jimmy here. There he is. Oh, it's about daggone time you showed up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, there you go. All right. We were just having a discussion about when we say we're done, we're done. I gave the example that once we said, well, I guess we're done. And then Ken starts off on a 30-minute uh, thing that had good material in it. So it just took a lot of time to cut and paste edit it. So... Let's have all of our greatness at once. All right, Jimmy, I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, greatness needs to be massaged. Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. As always, I'm still Paul Gillette. Chris Palomares is still himself, and Jim Lincoln is yet to make up his mind. So, interesting show today. We've got David Rees with us. If you people listened to Ken Patterson's What's Neat movie that's in the March issue, you will see him demoing the development that David has brought to model uh, railroading. So, David, welcome to the show. All right. Well, great to be here. All right. Looking forward to it. So just so people know, David's website is BlueRailTrains.com. And that Blue Rail Trains, all, all one string of letters. And it's a control system that's emerging. So not to uh, steal in of his thunder or anything like that. David, just tell us what it is and how it evolved as a light bulb turning on or a moment of serendipity, however it was. Just bring us up to speed with where we are. Right. Okay. Well, um, it's it's not classic Bluetooth. You're probably familiar with Bluetooth, which is like Bluetooth audio. Yes. That's something that's been around since the 90s. This is Bluetooth low energy. It's also called Bluetooth smart. And it just came out in 2011. And I was lucky enough to be working on Bluetooth smart products the first year it came out. I was working on actually uh, home lighting systems and stuff for uh, running backyard, watering your plants and stuff. Um, I'd come out of a game development background and I would, I've been a model railroader all my life. And I had recently built a pretty big O-gauge layout in my basement, about 200 feet of it. And I screwed up and I had made my hills too steep and my curves too sharp. And when my nephews would run the trains, they killed like three of my locos pretty quick. And I was kind of miserable about that. And I started doing some uh, research. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to get into this digital command control. And I started reading about... First, I started off reading the basics of DCC and CV variable programming and all that. And I thought, wow, this, this has got to be about 20 years old, but let me go on. And then I found out that because I was O-Gage, I was going to have to pick one of these proprietary versions of DCC. And I'm going, what's proprietary? What's that mean? And I started learning about DCS, TMCC, and... Um, the more I looked at it, just the more scared I got. And I couldn't bring myself to invest and dive in because I've been a, I've been in game development, interface design uh, all my life. And I'm used to designing user systems uh, that are 
user experiences. And I just couldn't see myself investing in this. At the same time, we were doing all this Bluetooth low energy work ourselves. And I uh, talked to my friend Pete, who was my college roommate. And I said, why don't we take this Bluetooth smart stuff and make it work on my trains here? Because it can connect for hundreds of feet. It can connect to hundreds of trains at the same time. It's, it's, it's perfect for it. And so uh, Pete and I built a board. Well, Pete built the board. And uh, my other friend, Eric, who's a, uh, been a programmer, game designer that I've worked with for about 20 years in game stuff, he um, built the app. We worked together on that. And the thing worked. I was really surprised. So I had a um, Lionel train. I could only run it from 17 feet. Pete had built his own Bluetooth module from scratch and he bakes it in a little oven he's got in his basement but i was excited you know the it, it worked the lights worked everything and we said wow well let's can we make it smaller and get some better range and so we uh, built a second one and the second one you could plug into a dcc ready plug just to make it easier you didn't want to have to be wiring these in and the second one had 25 feet of range and worked even better and I started to think wow this could really be something that people would want to use more than just me in my basement and so at that point I took it around to shows and um, nobody was interested everyone looked at it and just said it's not DCC I'm, you know I, I couldn't get anybody to look at it and eventually I uh, contacted Bachman and sent them some videos of it operating and uh, Rich Janicek from Bachman called me back and said, well, um, I think it's cool. Can you shit demo it? Can you show me it working? And I said, sure. And I packed all my little choo-choos in a box and flew out to Philadelphia and um, demoed it. And uh, luckily everything worked. <laughs> I was afraid something was going to screw up in my demo. So they were excited about it. We worked on it for about a year another almost two years before it was ready to come out as a product, you know, and it's still developing, but it's very updatable, upgradable. Everything is all the firmware in the train and the software can all be completely updated all the time. So, um, it can grow. Um, that's the short story. Okay. Sorry, how long though. Jim, do you heard he was a no scale guy? Uh, I just heard that. Yes. That's very, in, very intriguing. Chris, watch out. Two O scalers going to be, yeah, gonna I'm, be I'm gonna pressuring be over... you for boxcars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, as long as I get one of those Bluetooth modules out of the deal, I think I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do to accommodate you. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, uh, the time frame from when your uh, nephews trashed a couple of locomotives to where you had a a demonstrable uh, product to start approaching people like Bachman. What kind of a time period was that? I think we smashed our first switcher in uh, 2010 <laughs> sometime. Okay. And then I think the Blue Goose went down a little after that. I think when we talked to Bachman, that must have been around 2013. So there's about three years okay. of uh, guys just hanging out in the basement. You know. Okay. And from the time you had your conversation with uh, the gentleman of Bachman who expressed interest, what was the process after that? How they integrated it? Can you shed some light on that? Um, yeah. Well, at that point, uh, we started having meetings and asking them what, trying to understand what their expectations were. And they, they really wanted something that you could just take out of the box and use. And so I think my original plan was, well, I wanted to give all these, put more into the interface, but uh, I think Bachman wanted this to be, and then they said, we're going to call it easy and you're just going to take it out and use it. And I said, okay, well, we'll work on that interface. Um, they were very trusting with us in terms of development. They just said, okay, you guys make it work. They said, what do you recommend? And we said, well, we need to switch to a module that, has really good range and is completely updatable because prior to that, we've been using our own Bluetooth 
uh, modules that Pete had designed. And um, we wanted to really separate out what lived in firmware and what lived in software. You know, the firmware lives in the train and the software lives in the app. There's a whole logic in how you break that out to make it uh, as updatable and efficient as possible. And they, they just kind of, um, they were very easygoing in giving us a lot of freedom to uh, develop. We said, well, we want to develop uh, more serious stuff. We want to develop things that everyone can use. We want, we had a lot of interest in what I want to do with trains. They said, well, you guys can continue to develop your boards, um, plug in boards and do what you want with that. And we'll focus on the, uh, on, uh, the easy app stuff. So we've been kind of developing both at the same time. So there's going to be a aftermarket, uh, I guess, potential for your product just straight through your company. Yes. Uh, Blue rail is making plug-in boards and our first boards are going to be out, um, probably like second week of April. And, um, oh, cool. Yeah. And so they're plug-in boards and these ones, the first ones we're coming out with are a little wide because, uh, Bachman was interested in steam in getting them in their steam trains. We said, okay, well, we'll design a, a board that fits all your steam tenders. And while we're doing that, maybe we'll make that our first plug-in board. So the first one that's coming out, you know, it's kind of more the size it fit in the, small steam tender, which is a little wider and stubbier, but, um, we, I need to get back to, we'd originally decided a, a narrower one, like a stick of gum that's more diesel oriented. So we'll go back and crank out our diesel one quick after that. We'd already built one, but we didn't build one with the, uh, this particular Bluetooth module in it. Okay, yeah, because a lot of uh, HO scale diesel hoods are like 16 to 18 millimeters free clearance on the inside. So, yeah, you'd have to come down a little bit. Um, okay, yeah, so. Yeah, the module, there's a Bluetooth module in the board, which is 17 millimeters right now. Um, so, that's the size we have to work with for the next few months. Okay. Um, the same people who are making our modules say they're coming out with one that's um, seven millimeters wide. Whoa. Yeah. In about, uh, uh, within six months. So that'll be, that'll be really cool. Okay. Now, again, going back to what we, uh, learned from Mr. Patterson, am I, I'm correct in that your app besides controlling the train can also work with uh, a small Bluetooth speaker to actually put sound in the train. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of misconceptions on that topic there. Okay. Um, Clarify. Okay. Well, first of all, the protocol that the Bluetooth protocol is like a very open, simple protocol. Um, and it's just, you make a connection to a train and then you're allowed to create these commands, which they call services. And so the services that we have are like the name of the loco, the loco speed, um, how bright each of the lights are. Each of those are a service. And then ones that tell you how hard the motor's working and things like that. And, and you can actually see these services if you want. If you uh, get a little Bluetooth scanner app, I like to use light blue. You can uh, power up a Bachman train and connect to it, and you can see all the services right there, and you can see how we're running the train. Um, you just tell it how fast to go. You tell it um, how bright you want the lights. It's it's very readable, and um, anybody could develop that sort of thing. Um, but so we could just as easily add a sound service. So we'll be adding a sound service and that'll be telling the board what sounds to trigger. Um, and we have on our boards, our plug-in boards, we have an expansion port that's designed for us to control things from. So we could um, either, that's designed to adapt to some sort of sound module or a sound decoder or maybe 
something, a transponder or whatever technology would be fun to attach there. But so it's, it's very, it's just as easy to trigger sounds as it is to trigger lights. Um, we just didn't, we just haven't had time yet to create that adapter right there. Um, but in the meantime, there's this bonus feature that the app happens to be able to play sounds through the device and through speakers, through Bluetooth speakers, um, either little cubes in your loco or on your layout. So that's just sort of a bonus sound feature that uh, um, I think has its own, you know, cool things about it. But we we totally intend to be triggering sounds in a normal way. Um, we just couldn't develop that all at once. We're only three guys. We have a lot to do. We're, we're trying to get Android out in the next month. We're trying to get the uh, plug slackers. out. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't want to be, we don't, I don't intend to be, I'm a sound designer. Um, that's part of what I've done all my life, but I don't, I, I, I intend to make this a platform that can work with all the other great sound companies out there because they have such incredible train sounds and, um, I'm trying to create a platform that plugs in and works with what those companies have to offer. Now, just want to kind of back this up. So you have the ability, or maybe there's the able, maybe there's ability in the future once you get the development to interface with a off-the-shelf DCC sound decoder to your Bluetooth board. Um, yes, we could we could do that. We have this expansion port. If we wanted to have that expansion port, um, if we had to put a little component on there that wrote DCC, we could trigger a DCC um, decoder of any sort. Um, or, I mean, a cooler option would be to have a DCC module that we're actually triggering the sounds at instead of just sending DCC signals because there's some advantages in if you're looking towards the future and what you want the ultimate system to be right so yeah that's a that's a point that has extreme interest to me as a modeler because you know I already have DCC sound decoders I'm pretty happy with how how they sound right now um, just being able to kind of have the freedom to get away from you know, the DCC controllers and some of the other uh, complexities where, Hey, all the control is done through the phone, through Bluetooth. And then you have the benefit of audibly listening to your favorite sound decoder. That has a lot of appeal to me as a modeler. So well, please continue, you know, <laughs> please elaborate on that because anything that you can share with me, and I'm sure there's some, uh, many other li listeners out there that are interested in this. Uh, or at, at least forward thinking, looking at uh, the, you know, the direction that you see your, your boards going in. Yeah. And that, that's, we know, I know onboard sound is like totally where it's at for serious users and for me, you know, and so we'll, 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 we'll get up to that very soon. Um, right now it's, it's fun to have the, the ability to just put a little sugar cube in your trade. You know, that's, that's, that's cool. That's fun. And, um, to be able to put a big Bluetooth speaker under your train. And if that provides, you know, more bass response, that's great. Um, maybe that'll be nice in conjunction with onboard sound. Well, the other thing that that provides you is the, um, well, a couple of things is you can use um, Bluetooth headset so that the, you know, the sounds are in your ears. Or, you know, in a smaller shelf layout, you know, having a big Bluetooth speaker, as you said, underneath the layout would work great. You yeah, a lot, much better bass response. And the, the but the thing you have to be aware about is that these Bluetooth speakers are old school classic Bluetooth. That old school classic Bluetooth can only connect to eight devices, and it only goes about thirty feet, even though it has a much longer protocol. Um, whereas the Bluetooth low energy we're using to run the trains uh, can go hundreds of feet, and as many as you want at the same time. So with these Bluetooth speakers, sugar cubes, they're eventually going to, when they get 30 or 40 feet away, they go out of range. So it's a consideration in terms of the size of your layout. And your right, user. but in, in the case of a shelf layout where you have a speaker that's not moving, that's not a problem. 
Right. Probably. Not a, yeah. Well, just the way we have uh, Wi-Fi extenders for homes to, uh, you know, like repeaters, if, you know, for lack of a better word, could you do that with your Bluetooth to extend that 30, 40 foot range, maybe to 50 or 60? Is that feasible? I, I think that there are ways to do things like that. And I'm actually, I'm excited about that side of it, which is totally separate from onboard sound and sound decoders, but I'd like to make little boards that each uh, Bluetooth primary device, which is like your phone, can really connect to eight other devices, but your phone, you know, classic Bluetooth, but your phone is only designed to connect to one speaker. It's just a limitation they put in phones because they didn't think you'd need any more than that. But I'd like to make a um, little board that could plug into so with one board, you could now add eight more locos and get more range, you know, and every okay. little board you add could. Um, so this is separate from onboard sound decoder stuff, but it's it's a fun, interesting direction. And those sounds could also be those speakers could also be around your layout. They could be, you know, waterfalls or factories or whatever. So. Well, and Jim, Jim touched on it. They're on the model railroad hobbyist on the forums. This goes back to either early 15 or late 14 under the DCC headings. There was a discussion because I think Lance Mindheim down in Florida had built a prototype and Professor Kleiser came on and detailed some specs and the wherefores from a sound uh, perspective. But for instance, I guess the best world would be right next to my ESU Loke sound with its onboard speaker and whatever capabilities that provides would be a Bluetooth that would come back to my smartphone so that, as Jim mentioned, I can put in my high-fidelity earbuds and hear the full range of sounds as I follow the train around. But yet, you know, there's still a sound presence on the, the layout, especially if you're in a club, because there are onboard speakers. Golly, that just the thoughts of something like that evolving out of this makes me salivate. Yeah, I would really like to. I've, I've thought about having, considering it's sort of, I call it a personal listening mode, where you could have your headphones on. And I mean, this, uh, your controller, your, your smartphone, it has a good idea how far away each train is um, because of the signal strength. So you could even have. As trains are in the distance, you could add reverb to them so they sound far away, and ones that are close, you know, would sound closer. So I, I, I kind of like this idea of a personal listening mode too for headphones. Oh, absolutely. Well, the other thing is, if as a as a railroader, as one who does it for a living, <laughs> the sound <laughs> that you get is you're in the locomotive. You know, many times if if you're the engineer, you're in the locomotive. You hear a totally different thing than what you do when you're standing trackside. So to have ear buds or ear uh, headphones on is technically much more realistic because the sound is there instead of over where the train is, if that makes any sense. And and a little more simpler than Bruce Kingsley's uh, approach that we talked about a couple months ago. <laughs> well, you know, there's also the the outsider perspective of, you know, it's really nice just to have the guy that wants to listen to the sound and have that experience yep. with earbuds in and everybody else can carry on a conversation without, you know, being trying to talk over the the level of the locomotive. <laughs> you know, sometimes they can turn it up pretty loud. Sure. So, you know, I, I think it's just going to op offer a lot more options and as soon as we can take that uh, audio signal out of locomotives and, you know, transmit it by air, we'll have a lot more flexibility with the presentation of it, being able to mix different locomotives together, um, being in the cab versus, you know, next to it, we can choose different simulation effects and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just going to open up a whole new range of possibilities, really, of how we experience our, our layouts. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like the idea of you being able to decide whether you want to be in the cab or whether you want to be at the side hearing Doppler shifts or whether you want to be experiencing what the, you know, um, engineers experiencing. So that that's great stuff. Yeah. I, and the cool thing is, it's, it's there's so many just options just with the phone of 
you know, how, where, where your position is relation to the train and that can be figured out. <laughs> so, wow. I, I, I mean, to talk about just opening up a whole new realm. And it's, it's really nice that Bachman's letting you do your own thing too, instead of saying, yeah, we'll buy it, but we're just doing our stuff and you can't do anything we don't want you to. That's. I tell you, I was really surprised when I went to meet them. I didn't know what to expect. I'm, I was used to working at high-tech game toy development sort of places. And it was like going to the Cheers bar, you know? <laughs> and they were, they were just casual guys, and they were just excited, you know? So, um, and they, they, they were, I don't think they were used to doing technical things. And so I was, so I think they, they just gave us, you know, slack. Great. Bless their little hearts. Yeah. Thank goodness. I mean, the whole, the whole hobby will benefit from it, you know? And they said that too. They said that they, that they, you know, they don't want to be stuck with some sort of proprietary thing that, and, you know, all of those guys have worked at other train companies. They spend all their time with other train companies and the train companies are like an ecosystem. And every time one drops out, it really hurts the uh, hobby. And so in the end, it's got to be something that advances the whole hobby because if you start losing, as more companies fall out or, and have trouble, um, the, the hobby decline. So that's really there. true. I, and I think that's a, a misnomer that, you know, oh, yeah, so-and-so is making a competing locomotive or freight car or something like that. So they, they got to be hating each other, which is really not the case. I mean, more often than not, a lot of manufacturers will try to work together to time their releases in a in a similar manner to make a, a sensible train out of something, you know. Or, you know, uh, another good example is Athern uses Bachman Easy Track in their train sets. It's it, it's the only way we can really put together a train set with track. So there, there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of um, behind the scenes friendships among different companies. Okay, a, a question that just occurred to me while uh, Chris was speaking. You mentioned the Bluetooth you guys have developed, the uh, smart, can control up to how many devices? Um, the protocol doesn't have any limit. Okay. So it's it's designed for, it's what's in the Apple Watch. It's, okay. Um, it's what's in Google Glasses. It's in the Fitbits. Um, it's in all the everything in the hospital, a lot of the medical devices. Um, your Now, your phone uh, usually has, I think it has 40 channels on it. So let's pretend that you were, you had 40 trains and they were all consisted and you were moving them all exactly at the same time. And mm-hmm. then you consisted that 41th train. Well, that, that 41st train might have to get its signal a millisecond behind the other 40. Okay. You know? So it's designed to uh, connect to more than the channels that are available. And the reason I ask is, you know, Chris, we've we've talked in the context of locomotives, but if you have the ability, once we get to that stage where you can link to a decoder, you could also cycle on and off sound generators like Soundtracks, uh, diesel reefer motors. Yeah. At different cars in the train and or even generator sounds out of a passenger car. I mean, this this just boggles the mind where this could go. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can strategically put, you know, speakers via Bluetooth anywhere and just how you operate in your proximity to where they are. I mean, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome to a, a, a fresh new look on the entire hobby. And, you know, you get to still use your favorite DCC stuff, too. Yeah, good. But you, but you don't need to worry about, like, if you're doing a new decoder or something, or you're, you're doing a new installation, you can take advantage of the new software. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, the new software is so compelling, the new uh, Bluetooth modules are just such a, a tier above the, you know, the, 
the earlier DCC sound decoder. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, wow, I'm missing out on all the neat stuff that this thing offers, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so yeah. who knows? I, 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 I'm just, I'm just enamored with this, uh, how it's sounding. And my own experience with DCC is, well, you know, I have a bunch of stuff that's 20 years old and it's, and it resembles 20 year old, you know, equipment right now. I mean, it's, things are broken. The, the buttons don't always trigger the things that need to, it needs to be replaced, but I don't want to buy more 20 year old antiquated equipment. I want to, I want to, I have these devices I want to use. Uh, I, I want to use my smartphone to control my train. So I'm, I'm into this. I'm really excited about this. Um, so one more thing to say is that um, you, did you guys get a chance to look at that video I sent you guys showing a firmware update? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the idea there is where I told you you have these list of services. Yes. Um, you, you update the firmware and you can you can add new services kind of at any time and and it's it's pretty cool because it's it's the we picked this module because it's really it's, it's supposed to be bulletproof so you can update um you don't have to worry about damaging your train or damaging anything you just hit the button and wait it takes a couple minutes and you get a whole new protocol and so it's like getting dcc 2.0 or dcc 3.0 you can just add it's like adding new cv variables or whatever as you go and so there's a couple of services i think that um i really need to add before uh if this is like to make this mature and useful for everybody so i think it needs um, a sound triggering service. Um, I think we need to add that. I think we need to add a DCC service so that if people wanted to um, get a DCC packet signal from here to there, they could. It could. This could just be used to transport, you know, something from your controller to your decoder or something. And I also, I think we need to add a service um, that works with the uh, the new LCC nodes that. Uh, they're the open LCB stuff. I think they're going to need us to add one service. So I think we have about three more services to add before it's uh, really useful to everybody. What else, Chris? Because I know you were really uh, excited about this when we talked to uh, Patterson about it. Or not. <laughs> now, because... Horizon, you know, which is is Chris, does a lot of RC. I'm just really thinking outside the box here. Uh, I know guys who model uh, tractor trailers. They build these very, very elaborate kits, and they put sounds in them. So that when it starts up and idles away, it's a real, you know, Peterbilt or whatever. You know, this could be applied to a lot of different hobbies. Yeah, it could. I'm very much into layout sound. And so okay. I use, I use, um, I have some of these boards on my layout and I use them to run lights and sounds on my layout. And another group of people I'm getting, um, uh, getting to spend a lot of time with are dead rail people. Okay. Battery uh, operated. Yeah, which Yay. is popular out here. And it's popular with me because I have 200 feet of track and I just can't clean it anymore, you know. And I keep bringing my nephews in. Uh, <laughs> and I'll pay them like 15 bucks, but the price is going up. You know? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Say, 15 labor. bucks to wow. clean track? To clean my layout completely. That's, their, that's, that's the going rate right now. But so now, you know, it's so much nicer with the – boards that are coming out in april you you can put a battery on and it just sort of runs in the background so when the uh train has any problems it kind of treats it like a uh, super capacitor like a keep alive okay you know so you can either you can use it for dead rail if that's what you want or you can just use it to to help you with dirty track because i'm i'm just i'm done cleaning track you know I don't know. After a while, if the rate your nephews are getting, you could buy a couple CMX uh, tank cars and pull them around. And then a, a couple other fun things I've been doing with this: I, I can, you can take one of these boards and I hook it up to 
just an old conventional train set. Yeah. And, and as long as the locos that I'm running can handle PWM, uh, which I'm finding most of the locos within like 20 years seem to be pretty good at that. But so I can hook it up and I can just run my old train sets with it, which is fun. And in fact, we even, there was a Christmas module that we'd added in there for Christmas trains. It's kind of fun for me to take my old Christmas trains and just see them run to, uh, um, to the Christmas music and everything. And then, uh, so it's, it's fun for old train sets too. I've been having fun with that side of it. What? One of your videos where you've got the music that uh, speeds up and so forth, or the train rather speeds up with the tempo of the music. I thought that was interesting. That was fun. Yeah. Um, the idea there is that, I mean, there's, there's your Christmas train and that, yeah, there's, there's your train being choreographed to the music and the lights and that, that, that's cool in its own little world. Um, but if you want to think past that, it's really easy because we've separated out the controller it's in it's it's in a great programming environment so we can easily create things like where you can record your own roots so if you want to have a shelf layout you want to hit record and you want to uh you know run your train around stop it at the right places run the lights move it around get to the end and then reverse it and have it come back you can you could hit record and you can save out your own little routines okay and so that was so that's an extra that we're going to be putting in the app. But so uh, it was easier for me just to put out a Christmas version of it where I'd, where I'd recorded them myself. Um, so we'll probably in the next couple of months put out the give you the recording capability. So that's kind of a fun thing, too. But I like that, you know, endless uh, all these new ideas and things that you can do that you can just add and the users just open up their app and suddenly it's there, you know. And it works on the train they bought, you know, already. So it's like magic. It's a lot like magic. <laughs> well, it, it, considering the weekend that I spent trying to speed match three locomotives together on DCC, and uh, you know, to me, the, this sounds magical. It's just like so many more, you know, capabilities and options without having to know a hex. Right. <laughs> how to calculate hex, you know. So we'll probably, um, after this firmware update goes out, then we'll be getting, turning on consisting pretty soon. And and we already have that working, but it's the speed matching that we're, that I'm fine tuning. And, you know, the idea there is that the trains are all, each train can tell you how hard it's working. It can and so each train can kind of tell each other how hard they're working. So if one train is working too hard, the other train can compensate. And so you don't really uh, create speed tables or anything. They just manage themselves. But I'm in the um, La Mesa club down here in San Diego. Oh, wow. Huge club. <laughs> those guys are serious down there. So I go down there and get a serious dose of education in the operating sessions. And, you know, the, the thing there is that you've got when you're trying to speed match trains uh, and you've got trains where you've got a pusher train at the back and you've got a train way up the front and the one at the front is going up the hill. And this one here is maybe coming down another hill because your train is so long. Um, so those are the kinds of things that I'm uh, having fun trying to tackle how to solve. That's exciting. So there, there's a guy down there named Jason Hill who I spent a lot of time with talking about that dilemma because I, I'm, I want to solve the whole problem of these caterpillar crunches and things that go on. <laughs> good, good term. Cause it, it's simple. It's simple enough to speed match when the, when the uh, consistent, when the two trains are side by side, but when they're spread out, that's when it, that's when you really have to do some good programming. So now you mentioned a couple moments ago that uh, professionally you're a, a sound developer or sound engineer. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in San Diego. I was really into art and music and miniature, uh, building miniature worlds. And I was HO when I was younger and I really wanted to be an Imagineer or an animator. And I studied under a Disney artist named Bruce McIntyre. And I was also very into bands and into recording and did a lot with my four track. And I went to school at 
Wash U in St. Louis. My parents really wanted me to be a doctor, but that really wasn't what I wanted to do. And I, I graduated. And after that, my band started to get real busy. And so I, I, I worked in biology for about six months before my, I, I just started playing and I played in a band for about eight years. And at the end of that, I still play now, but I, I, I sort of had this depressed vision of myself being this 60 year old guy playing Jerry Garcia music in bars, you know? <laughs> and so I ended up taking a uh, job as an animator illustrator at a game development company in Los Angeles and doing music and sound for them. And that's what kind of started me on the whole technical world of it. And so I did that. I worked at a company called Vivendi Universal for seven years. And it was a pretty huge uh, company in terms of like we had maybe 100 artists and 100 programmers. But you get to work real closely with all these guys. And they, and those, these are still my friends who I work with right now. So, But not as an employee, just on projects. But so I'm, I'm excited. Part of my goal here is to create this platform that all of my friends can develop games for. So we can have, you know, once you connect the trains to an interface like an, an iPad or something, suddenly you have the ability to create virtual train sets and, and you could build your own layouts and you can kind of watch the trains move. The virtual trains can move in conjunction with your real trains. And, you know, you could you could have operating sessions where you have a friend who's at a remote location and he's built a virtual train set. You guys can kind of merge your trains together and have group operating sessions. So I'm kind of excited about developing for that world. I've got a bunch of friends who do that sort of development. The, you know, there's no money in games these days. Um, but really? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough field. You know, it's a very tough field. But suddenly you, have a, you create a platform like this and suddenly there's a lot of fun to be had. You know, well, yeah, you know, uh, Tony Kester and a couple guys between like the Virginia and Ohio, they would interchange cars physically among each other. Yeah, I've always thought that, you know, it'd be really cool to have a social media app where you put in your module or your layout or your switching district and you would come up with like a virtual interchange where you guys have like the same freight car numbered the same way across America that you're part of the social group with. So you guys have the same freight car number and then you can just virtually interchange this car between you guys and go, okay, well, this is over in staging over on my friend's layout over across the world, you know, and, and then they would interchange that car with the, another guy that, that they're, they do business with this, in this virtual space, you know, and, and pretty soon you have like this, like, railroad tycoon supply and demand type thing going on. And it, it, I just think that would be a dynamite addition to how we, as uh, you know, friends sort of operate and interoperate our, our, our model railroads and you don't have to be in the same town to do it, you know? So, and it, and it's very possible. It's very possible. The, uh, you know, the, the iPhone or the iPad or the Android or whatever you're using probably has internet access. And as long as it does, there's no reason that, you know, you can't be connected with that other guy and the operating session app that's running can't help facilitate you doing that sort of stuff. So that's that's kind of that's kind of stuff I'm really excited about. It was, it was developing this product so we could do stuff like that. And then you could have this random thing in there to account for the uh, the idiotic conductors that accidentally put cars on the wrong trains going to the wrong place <laughs> and send a car going to Boston down to New Orleans. And so when this random guy was like, why do I have this car? This doesn't make any sense. It's not going anywhere on my railroad. It's going to Boston. Why do I have it? Ah, uh, well, you know, just running around the rail for a while and send it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it'd be sort of like the lost and found of, of real cars, the ghost in the machine. Uh-huh. Have this one random, but you got to make it a cool car, like the Snable car that goes to everybody's layout, but have it done. Everybody... Yeah, everybody everybody has to have a... Well, you know what a Snable car is, right, Paul? Okay. I'm just making sure. So, yeah, you have this... Everybody wants a Snable car because they're cool. And you have a reason to have it on your railroad. Some nitwit misrouted it. And it ends up... And it ends up in New Orleans instead of, you know, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, interchange rules and some other things. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to uh, a reality of, you know, you could even come up with like sort of how the Genesee Wyoming is a group of little short lines that are interspersed all over the United States that, sure. that work together. And then you can go after another guy who's, you know, represents an, another railroad and, 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 and try to beat each other and, and, yeah, beat each other out of uh, the same model you know. business. And the other allure, I think, and, and it's a generational thing that, you know, what David's uh, group is doing is this is a magnet for the younger kids who like to, oh, wow, wonder what I can do. Go in and tweak it just the way we've seen the, uh, the kind of uptick in younger kids getting excited about DCC, the programming all of that. So to me, this is just another aspect that becomes a lure for the next generation to come into because it excites them. Yeah, I see that. Because they're already game oriented. You know, I can imagine that Sheldon and, uh, you know, the guys on uh, Big Bang would, you know, be early adopters of what David's doing. Sheldon's already a model railroader, so. Yeah, once I, I explain it to my nephews, I say, well, it's kind of like Minecraft. You like Minecraft, don't you, where you, you build your own little world? Well, and so they go, yeah, could we do that? Yeah, build your own little train world, you know, and and it's going to work with this real train. And suddenly they're totally on board. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you I, know, one of the shoot, biggest, I'm on board. <laughs> you know, the biggest part of, say, Halo um, is the online gaming part of it. Yes, it has a great backstory, but really they say that the online gaming part of most games now, uh, not just Halo, but um, just picking that out, it, you know, it's the online gaming experience. So if you had this thing where you're actually interchanging cars with somebody who has a model railroad on in, in Denmark, but, you know, he's modeling something in the United States, but he is connected to yours. So now you get that, you know, worldwide online gaming experience from your model railroad, which would be truly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Being able to tie together, you know, I, I go down and I play in my layout down there and I don't have the energy to drive 40 miles. And for me to be able to sit down there, I can't go down to the La Mesa club all the time. So for me to be able to sit down there and interact with my friends um, and then if they're not my friends, somebody else, Yeah, well, I mean, well, the, the, it, it, it's unlimited now. If they're not your friends, that's where you send them the uh, realistic um, um, empty chicken cars, you know, <laughs> uh, the, with with the realistic smell. These are just for you guys. I, I, set the, I know you'll appreciate them immensely. Just run them on your layout. You'll be fine. Those are for the people you don't like. Well, there's a, uh, a side market, Jim. We need to come up with... H.O. scale uh, animal smells for the stock cars, the chicken cars. There's a whole new opportunity for an income stream. For you, yeah, great. Go yeah, ahead. okay, let me work on that. Well, we, we know how well that didn't work because somebody somebody tried, like, what was it, Old Factory Airs? They didn't, they didn't oh, yeah, that. I remember that. But, I mean, you know, you got creosote and coal and oil and stuff like those are okay i don't know how good realistic chicken dead chicken would smell that i don't know how i don't know how that big that would go over when i was at an affair with trains we used to get scented oils in for the mth locomotives the blis anybody using a, a sooth unit for christmas that had holly and cinnamon and all this stuff and people would buy it out every year. That's great, Holly. Yes, and they those love aren't, it. Those aren't too bad. No. Yeah, but I think I, you're right. Uh, I've had to clean out uh, dump trucks full of um, chicken, whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't smell that great. It doesn't smell like baby <laughs> and holly. No, no, not really. It doesn't smell like holly. No. <laughs> so you don't eventually get used to it and start craving it, I guess. Thank. <laughs> Thankfully, no. Although I do remember one instance, I used to do. Um, I used to move garbage, and uh, at one point, I was. Uh, some of the smells you get moving garbage can be truly fascinating. 
but um, I was out on I was on the top of one of the um, the uh, landfills down in Fall River, and uh, talking to one of the other drivers, and and I forget how the conversation came up, but it's like, well, you know, the smells out here, you know, it smells like, and I stood there for a second, and I a smell came across the landfill, and it smelled like bologna, just like like bologna or hot dogs or something. It actually didn't smell bad, and I was like, actually, it smells like lunch. <laughs> Which is kind of odd to be standing on a to be standing on a landfill and it smells like lunch. I I, need to... <laughs> I can't imagine that, but I take your word for it. Yeah, no, it, it was a very odd experience. Uh, and um, it's like, yeah, I think I need to go before I start liking it. So, <laughs> great. Yeah. David, how long have you been a part of the Mesa group down there? I've been a part of the group for about. Two years. Okay. Two years. Yeah, I was I was sort of a lone wolf until then. And then I realized I need to get down there and get with the serious guys. And those are some serious operating sessions. They'll, they'll get people coming in in Winnebago's from, you know, Washington State, coming down for these big weekends. And it's some serious stuff. It's easy to get fired, you know, when you're running your train down there. Cause, oh, really? <laughs> Yes, very serious stuff, you know. The, but technical, it's awesome. the, the technical term is put out of service. <laughs> OOS. You're, you're OOS. Are there, well, now I'm curious, are there regular modelers or does everybody have a tendency to be a rivet counter? Um, you know, it's a real hodgepodge of people there are people that are there just for the modelers there are people that are there for everything i've been mostly going to the operating sessions because i've been wanting to sit there with the hardcore dcc guys and learn what they expect and what they want and what the shortcomings are and what could be improved upon okay you know and i'm also interested in learning about operating sessions just about what the what the gameplay aspects of it are what's you know so i can find a way to, you know, expand on that. So, Okay. Well, Chris, when you were out at uh, Long Beach, did you ever, ever have opportunity to go to Mesa? Well, you know, when I was living down here, yeah. I, I was okay. a, a regular down to La Mesa, and this is when there was a lot more construction going on, kind of right before uh, they were able to, to open it up past the, the loop. And, uh, yeah, the... There, there's a lot of intensity for some of these jobs because you're also dealing with it's a two-story layout, not a two-level layout. It's two stories. You, when you look down, you see the the, the top of people's heads, you know, wow. <laughs> and they're they're standing fully upright, you know. Is that so, done by uh, helix? Different helixes and just this sheer grade that takes you wow. up uh, up the mountain there. No kidding. Um, you feel like you're really operating this darn thing. I mean, there's a great deal of distance. It takes about a full day to get to the other end of the layout and back down again, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's, like it's a clubhouse too, you know, with the stairs going up and down to get through the little tunnels. feels like a tree fort. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, next time I hit the West coast and, I'm trying to schedule when they have. They have open house days or visitor days. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Shoot, there's a, an excuse for a road trip. Pretty darn good excuse. Yeah, it's helpful. It is very helpful to find a member who can get you the behind the scenes tour. Well, as we're to talking the, to David. Right. <laughs> would be probably helpful, but I'm just telling you. You know, you need you, you need to have the behind the scenes tour, not the the public tour totally different things so i've been there and it's walk in I the have, door and tell them the gigasaurus sent you <laughs> yeah we were, there, we were on we were there on the one day they were closed and so it was i was fortunate to get in but yeah that screen name came up the uh, day i quit the band quit doing it full time because I, I wasn't going to gig anymore and okay. i was like a dinosaur so i was gigasaurus oh, okay so does, uh, well, Jim, is that, uh, did you go over there with Jimmy Simmons? Is he a part yes. of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, he's, not really, he's not really a member there, but he was uh, doing the um, the um, the garden layout display. 
Oh, for the celebration? Yeah, for the celebration. Yeah. And I was helping him do some of the design. I had done some of the design work on some of the buildings. Okay. So I was able to see some of the things being built up in the buildings and stuff. And he's a guitar player, too. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he used to play down in Cabo. No kidding. That's all right. Just about anything west of Buffalo is uh, <laughs> might as well be on the moon to me. <laughs> west of Buffalo. No, no, no. I, I don't go to Buffalo. Good grief. No. Um, no. I mean, but yeah, although I'm going to Chicago in two weeks. Well, that's west of Buffalo. It is. Yeah. So draw a line in the middle of the country. That's about as far as I ever go. If I go. Well, see, you can drop straight south from there. Uh, see Chris when he's back in uh, Champaign. No. You bet. Yeah. And then nope. bounce on down here to New Orleans. No. We'll have some uh, Cajun rice, some no. uh, nope. crawfish and a beer. I could do that. can do, but won't. <laughs> nope and nope. Chris is more than welcome to come and visit me. I'm not going to have a car, so I think that's the plan. Well, I'll just interchange. You said Schnabel car right onto your layout. That's right, yes. You right get, right like, on your, like, two-car spur where you have, like, three cars planned to go plus a Schnabel. Yes. There you go, Jim. That's my. <laughs> that's me you, visiting for you. <laughs> but you, need, you need to give me the O-scale Schnabel car. That's hey, I'll, you, I'll keep doing HO-scale, and you'll, you might have to, to build the O-scale equivalent with the same road numbers. Right. Nah. <laughs> Nah, I have no industries. I have no industries on my layout that would require a Snapple car. Well, maybe this will be the 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 incentive to make a few. Mm, maybe that's where that's how I will make my millions: making O scale Snapple cars. One million dollars. One million dollars. Well, David, uh, what do you model? You're O scale, but do you have a road? Do you have a region? Um. No, I've you know I've been getting out here. I'm seeing a lot of uh, desert sort of stuff. I, when I was growing up, I was kind of very into the New England uh, sort of look. Um, okay. Right now, I haven't really been able to put love into into the scenery on my uh, O scale layout because I've been so swamped in this uh, this uh, train project that went out of control. You know, my 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 wife was the one who was originally going. Listen, you're not going to spend thousand bucks on some sort of weird train control system thing, right? And I said, yeah, no, no, we're just going to make one that we can run. And now that it's become my life, she's like, why don't you just spend the thousand? Because <laughs> I didn't know this was going to become your life, you know. So. <laughs> well, one of those situations, darned if you do and darned if you don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so on the current layout I have, I've got my track laid out, but I haven't started into my scenery on it. Okay, but you can run some trains around. I sure I hey, do all the time. Yeah, that uh, when guys would come into the store and you know when they pull out a spandex folder that's got fifteen different tabs on it because that's the detail they're planning. And well, have you started laying track yet? No, no. I want to finish this next section, and and you know we would just hey go put your first circle of track down. You know, what you think is a key thing. And watch a train. Enjoy it. I said, it'll put everything in perspective. You may want to change it. but So I think you're off on a good start. You can run trains. You got that first main line down. Oh, and yeah. Even I'm if you change it, it's great. I'm running them every day. My wife gave me the 10-year uh, the warning on, like, you know, we're not going to live here forever. And so I'm, and so now I'm having to sort of think in terms of modules. So I might start building. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the what's the ten year deadline? Well, she's saying maybe in ten years. I don't expect to live here ten, more than ten more years. We live on like a farm here, you know. Oh. And so, so I have to uh, design my layout with a ten year plan. Okay. Yes. So it's kind of like a Fremo, Fremo modular approach like and chris is very very much the expert on that so that when you go to vermont and buy the funny farm with uh, clark griswold as your neighbor you can set it up in one of the barns out there excellent idea 
A lot of space in Vermont, and it's affordable. And and basements. Yes. Our uh, oldest daughter moved up to, uh, well, outside of Rutgers, because she's at the med center there. And she goes, yeah, we've got these acres, and we're surrounded by acres. You know, she said, we almost paid cash for this based upon what we were paying before. I'm like, well, good. Vermont sounds economically feasible. Rutgers or Rutland? Rut- I'm sorry. Thank you. Rutland. Yeah. Rutgers is a college. That's right. Thank you. It was an R word. Come on. And my, my it begins with R. Close it up. <laughs> well, and for, and for you guys out on the East Coast, Rutgers, Rutland, yeah, it's all the same. It's like you talk to me about anything in California. It's like it's West. <laughs> or my favorite is whenever I come back to California, everybody says, so how's life in Chicago? I don't, I don't live in Chicago. I live in Champaign. It's like three hours away. Is Bakersfield part of L.A. now? Oh, no, but. <laughs> well, kind of. It's all the same. They all have earthquakes. It's hot. Right? Yeah. See, David, if you uh, if you do follow your wife out of town in 10 years, maybe you'll miss the big one when the. Uh, you know, the Cascadian uh, Fault and uh, San Andreas get together to reshape uh, the Western America. Yeah, I'm going to need to time that right. Yes. Want to be gone before, not after. Yeah, just make sure you have all your trains with you. That's all. Oh, that's right. You wouldn't want all that to go into the ocean, you know? I mean, come on. The uh, I'm, I'm alive, but I've lost all my trains. Yeah, so I will not be dead. Um yeah, New York, I think it was New York Times, did a, an analysis of the uh, Cascadia Fault or what the real term is. And one FEMA guy goes, well, we've pretty much written off anything west of I-5. <laughs> Going, you got to be kidding me. You've written it off? Yeah, it'll be gone. <laughs> Going, oh, crap. Scratch the plans for moving to uh, Seattle. Hmm. Well, all the more reason to have a modular layout. You can make a quick escape. Yeah. Or if you do go into the ocean, if it's built properly, you can, you float. can use it for raft. That's right. Yeah, make them foam so they float. Yeah. Would we'll, we'll, we'll float? Would we'll float if you build it properly? Oh, damn, really? That's okay. This is that uh, time, David, when we start becoming fragmented in the, uh, the topics after we covered the meat. But... Yeah. Hey guys, I gotta get going. You do? Yeah. Oh, the heck with that. I know. Oh golly, see, this is what happens when you get a girlfriend. Well, uh, yeah, I just I, I was driving with my friend here for a second, and some guy just totally nailed the back of uh, one of these container truck chassis. Yeah. Just bent up their hood and everything. So, I. I I've been kind of multitasking, trying to get to my next destination, and yeah, it's getting kind of hectic right now. Well, you can go ahead and bail. We'll wrap up with David here. Oh, I appreciate that, David. I'd love to talk to you more about um, the Bluetooth uh, control. Uh, And in fact, uh, yeah, we'll 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 chat a little bit more offline about this. uh, But I got to get going. Okay, Chris. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Chatting with you. Bye bye. All right. All right. So, well, I'm glad it wasn't him in the wreck. Mm. So, has he been driving this whole time? Uh, sounded, like, sounded like he just was, but yeah, because you can, yeah, you can do Skype from your iPhone and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I I would hate to be in a in a situation because that would certainly probably qualify as distracted driving under most uh, motor vehicle codes, but. Quite uh, Although generally, he may have been the passenger. You know, generally it's hands-free though when you're doing that. So uh, we have areas here in uh, New Orleans where uh, school zones where you can't even be on your cell phone when you're in the school zone, mm. and hands-free or not. So, mm-hmm. but, which I agree with, and I'm just waiting for America to wise up and mandate. The uh, signal blocks in cars, which the technology is already there, that will prohibit texting. Hmm. Well, yeah? You can do do that for like over three miles an hour. It just turns sets it to 
Yeah. You know, if the phone's moving, it's great. Technology's here, but the automotive industry and the cell phone industry and everybody, you know, apparently feels that it's not important enough to save some lives. Uh, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway. Well, no, that can be tricky, too, because what if you're a passenger? You know, so... Uh, if we're going to make sure the driver can't do it and the passenger has to live 15 minutes without a text, we can probably set up counseling services for those people. Okay. We've got uh, to help something. them take care of the shock and the stress. There's something the, kind of uh, like that in my town where they just, the, it's basically the, the connections are so spotty, it's not worth using your phone. So. Oh, really? <laughs> that's, how they've, that's how they've enacted it here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The, uh, for a 15-minute drive, I, I would agree, but if you're on an eight-hour trek, that'd be, mm-hmm. be a bit of a bummer. Well, we Bluetooth our phones in the cars, so you don't have to do that. But mm-hmm. I just generally, if I don't recognize the name flashing across right. the uh, dashboard screen, I just don't even answer. You mm-hmm. know, I want to focus, especially the older you get. You just want to focus on driving and not, uh-huh. you know, hurting somebody. So Absolutely. And There's... When- when there are other people that you do know flash up, you're even more like, hang up. Yeah. Jim Lincoln calling, definitely turn that one off. There you go. I'm sorry, Jim. I'll get back to you later. There's you got to spend the quality time on model trains. That's right. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you need to uh, expound upon, Mr. Uh, Reese? It's been I've, great. but I, It's been great. I think I've gotten it all out, out of okay. my system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we hope we've, Happy to accommodate. Helped, you know, expand the awareness of your participation in the Bachman uh, endeavor. But then also some of the topics we've talked about, you know, hey, spur thought. Other people, you know, get a synergy going here and get some of this stuff done. This is great. Well, it's it's. You know, people say it's an exciting time to be in model railroading, but to me, it really is. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I like it. All right, guys. Appreciate your time. Fantastic. Thank you very much, both of you. All right. right. We will see you later. Have a good night. Bye-bye.